Welcome to a little bit later than normal, but still midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, reminder, if you want to get in touch with me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. Also, now, Movember is here, and I am participating for the first time. And so I tweeted the link to my Movember page. If you could donate to that, it would be super awesome. Uh, so had to push this back a day, was feeling a little under the weather, not COVID related. Uh, your boy's been in the head a lot and so he gets migraines sometimes. So uh, that is what happened. And so that kind of pushed everything in my life back a day. And it's a good thing it did, not the migraine thing, those suck. But we have the blockbuster deal has finally happened and holy smokes, Jack Eichel has been traded to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Peyton Krebs Alex Tuck, a 2022, holy shit, that's next year, that's in two months, oh my god, um, a 2022 first round draft pick with the condition that it's not in the top 10, which <laughs> it probably won't be, and a 2023 second round pick. There are a number of different angles to break this whole thing down from. Uh, not only the two teams involved, that's obvious, but... I think also you have to look at it from the perspective of a couple of other teams that missed out on this one. We will start with the Vegas Golden Knights, as they are the team that comes away with the superstar, Jack Eichel. Now, apparently, they're going to let him have whatever surgery he wants to have, um, and so he is going to be out. Because this is a rather unusual surgery, it is difficult to, to find a timeline for it, but he is going to be out three to five months from the sounds of it. That's a while. Um, so, and look, you, you don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back. And I, I don't want to be dismissive of neck surgery because it's neck surgery. And I, that kind of stuff always scares me because you never like, yeah, you just never know, right? But I, I think it is relatively reasonable to assume that he'll be able to come back in a pretty fine form. Like it's not, it's not a hip that's going to hinder his movement. It's not a knee surgery or whatever. That's going to slow him down. Like you, you need your neck, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't feel like this is going to, to really be a major hindrance for him. Although again, as mentioned, we just don't know the regular recovery time on on something like this and we don't know what people are like when they come back from it so this is going to be a learning experience for all of us but assuming jack eichel is going to be at 100 percent, then you do this trade 100 times out of 10 the vegas golden knights have made it abundantly clear since joining the national hockey league that this is a team that is going for a championship not now but right now and when you are doing that you need needle movers you need game changers Peyton Krebs might end up being that, but he's not right now. Tuck, really like player, uh, really like the player. Really, really, really big fan of Alex Tuck's. He's not a game changer. He is good, he ain't great, and he's not Jack Eichel. This is one of those trades that can get you over the top. And I feel like a lot of times, now, we've seen, if, in hockey, if having the best player means you win, then Connor McGregor, uh, Connor McGregor, geez, Connor McDavid would have a whole whack of championship rings, but he doesn't. You do need depth, but I, I, but when you look at the roster for for Vegas, this is essentially a tuck out Eichel in sort of a scenario. So you're not sacrificing ridiculous amounts of your depth 
in this trade. Like it, it just, it makes all the sense in the world for, for Vegas to, to go out and make this move. And now you look at what this team could look like if everyone is back and everyone is healthy. And it's ridiculous. Um, Dustin Forbes, the, the Lethbridge Hurricanes play-by-play guy tweeted out, it's like a video game. I don't even know if I could get this in a video game. It, it is damn impressive what Vegas has been able to build. And I, I am generally of the belief you try to just accumulate talent and try to, to figure it out. Although again, see Toronto and Edmonton for reasons why that didn't work, but also see Tampa Bay for reasons why that did work. The, the reason why Tampa Bay won, it, it's not, I mean, there's a number of reasons, but chief among them is that they just had a bunch of dudes who were better than everyone. And now Vegas has that. So for Vegas, I think this is an absolute no-brainer home run. And I think that there's even a bit of cost that they don't have to pay because there is a bit of uncertainty for, for Jack Eichel and, and with him going for surgery and him missing the entire season. Vegas has got the regular season thing handled. I think they're going to be fine. Even if they have to finish as a, a two seed in the Pacific division, um, we, we've seen Edmonton off to a hot start. Calgary, I'm not necessarily buying, and we'll get to the Flames in a second. Um, and, and Seattle looks pretty good. But I, I think Vegas can feel pretty confident they're going to be able to, to make their way into the playoffs. And even if they don't, um, even if there is another move that has to be made here at some point, when you're looking at the, the Jack Eichel timeline, there is a very real chance his first game in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform is in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we've already seen that you can make that work salary cap wise. You can get a little creative with all of that. And Vegas has a bunch of guys on LTIR, uh, LTIR right now with Pacioretty, Stone, and now Eichel. If they wanted to to get a little bit creative again, salary cap wise, I think they would be able to. But the, this is this is a team that is clearly in win now mode. This is the win now move of all win now moves, and because of that, it makes a whole lot of sense for Vegas. For Buffalo, it is a it's a tough spot because this was the guy that was supposed to turn things around. They went all the way in the tank for Connor McDavid. The ping pong balls do not bounce their way, and because of that, they get Jack Eichel, who is really, really, really good. But they have done a piss-poor job of building around Jack Eichel, and that has led them to this point. And this is one of those things that we have talked about on this show time and time again. It is very difficult to just flip that switch to go from or winning doesn't matter to winning is the only thing that matters. It is really tough to do that when results don't matter, and now all of a sudden they're super important. I think general managers have a tough time making that transition. I think teams have a tough time making that transition. I think coaches have a tough time making that transition. And the Buffalo Sabres clearly did. So now they're going back to step one. The return is fine. Um, Krebs is a solid prospect. Like uh, He has the potential to be like a, a top-line guy in the National Hockey League. Tuck, I love the speed. I love the skill. I'm interested to see what he can do as kind of a main guy. Um, I wouldn't... Initially, my thought was, oh, well, maybe they can flip Tuck for something at the deadline. But apparently, according to, to reports, Tuck has called it a dream come true playing for the Buffalo Sabres. Is he someone who grew up, I believe, Syracuse? Um, if that's the case, you keep those dudes because there there aren't many people. Uh, Kevin Adams saying today at the press conference that they're, they're trying to acquire guys who are dying to be Buffalo Sabres. That's fine. I don't know what you're going to do with the other 22 roster spots, but uh, congratulations on, on getting one of them. So... 
maybe you keep him. He had so, uh, shoulder surgery, which I always have trouble saying, back in July. Uh, at the time, the timeline was he was going to be out five months, which has him back next month. But again, winning doesn't matter for the Buffalo Sabres this year. They have three draft picks, two of the, uh, three first round picks, sorry. Two of them are top 10 protected. Those are from Florida and Vegas. And that makes your cap friendly page look really nice when you see, oh wow, three first round picks. There's a very real possibility that um, two of those picks are in the back third of the first round, which you can get fine players out of. But I just, th this this really signals starting over in Buffalo. That This very much is, okay, it, it is, you don't just trade Jack Eichel and then try to go on business as usual. Uh, the problem is, like, where, where do you go now? What is there another move that can be made? Is anyone beating down your door for Jeff Skinner at $9 million? Which at the time, hey, Jeff Skinner wants to stay in Buffalo. That hasn't really worked out. Kyle Oposo still has two years left at $6 million. I just don't, I don't know where better is coming from now. Um, all of their blue line, with the exception of Rasmus Dahlin, needs a new contract going into next season. And they don't have a goalie on their roster who's under contract. There are a couple of pieces. Oh, they're still paying Cody Hodgson. Holy crap. Okay. Wasn't expecting that as I was scrolling along here. They have pieces on this team that you can get excited about. Um, anytime I talk to anyone about Tage Thompson, I've never really got it, but people seem to like the, the size and speed that he can bring. Dylan Cousins certainly impressed the World Juniors and now is getting an opportunity at the NHL level. Peyton Krebs just mentioned in the trade, he's a guy who could be a guy. Um, Rasmus Dahlin is fun, but has had a couple of things he needs to work on. And I think Casey Middlestad will be all right. Um, but for Buffalo, for Buffalo fans, this really sucks. Cause this was what you were, this is what you were holding out for, you know? And you look at other examples, the Houston Astros go in the tank, the, the Chicago Cubs tank for a while. Um, and they come out with high level prospects and they win championships, different sport, but you see where I'm getting at. This was supposed to be that guy. Like you went through a awful season and you got Jack Eichel. And then it didn't necessarily turn around right away, but then you got Rasmus Dahlin and it's okay. We have a core now. And now you have a, a bit of a core, but you're missing that crown jewel at the top of it that rounds everything out. And I, as good as Krebs, I think could be, he's not going to be that. It, Jack Eichel's do not come along very often. And that is why... From Vegas's perspective, this trade makes a whole lot of sense, and why from Buffalo's perspective, it is very difficult. In terms of the other teams involved, apparently the Calgary Flames were in second, Elliot Freeman saying it was never close. Kevin Weeks reported that uh, Matthew Kachuk's name was involved. Kevin Adams denied that today. It's difficult, because for the Calgary Flames, you can say that there it was... It was pretty clear there was interest there, right? Like, you could very much, regardless of how far off they were, it was pretty clear and obvious that the Flames were very much in on Jack Eichel. And you can look at it from a Flames fan perspective and see, well, it's Krebs, Tuck, and two draft picks. Just give them more than that. And that that is an easy thing to say because it, it doesn't look, it's not an overwhelming return for Buffalo, right? Like it's, it's a fine return, but it, it's one that you think from the outside, oh, well, we could have done that. But then you look at it a little bit closer, there is no Peyton Krebs 
in the Calgary Flames organization. I don't even think they have a reasonable facsimile to Alex Tuck, to be perfectly honest. And if you want to just throw a bunch of draft picks at the, the Buffalo Sabres, then fine. But it doesn't appear that that was a main priority for Buffalo in this deal. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made a trade with the team that now everyone presumes is going to win the Stanley Cup. So congratulations, you got the 32nd overall pick in the draft. It doesn't seem like draft picks were the priority. So for, for Calgary... I don't really see where you can draw a straight line. Oh, well, we could have just put in this guy and that guy, and boom, there you go. Matthew Kachuk, of the three players we were talking about, Krebs, Tuck, and Matthew Kachuk, Kachuk is certainly number one. But if Buffalo wasn't interested, then Buffalo wasn't interested. The main the, the main thing for Calgary is I just, I want to know where they're going. And that's been a theme basically since Jerome McGinley left, but specifically in the last couple of years. This is obviously a team that's not just going to tear it down and start over. That's been abundantly clear. Okay, so let's then re-sign all the guys. Oh, okay, well, we can't re-sign, well, we can't re-sign all the guys. Like, that's, the, it's going to be too expensive. Oh, well, try to package a couple of them and trade them away for something big and, and keep this push going. Oh, well, we can't do that. Imagine giving up on a Matthew Kachuk. Like, okay, well, then what the hell are we doing here then? I just, I want to know where this team is going because it's, lovely that the team is off to a fantastic start and look maybe Daryl is all this team needed to get them over the hump but we have seen time and time again that this roster ain't it and yes they finally have a high level coach we will see how much that matters but I, I just at the end of the day I just want to know where this team is going because it seems like they're just kind of chasing their tail over and over again a couple of other teams that this affects um Carolina apparently was third and whew, that would have been something. And for Carolina, it's a little bit easier than for Calgary to, to draw those straight lines to the, the prospects, right? Like they have Seth Jarvis scores a goal, uh, I believe last night for his, his first career National Hockey League goal. That could be your Peyton Krebs mix. Um, I, I, I think that that's, I, I, it depends on types of players that you value and things like that. But I, I think that you could squint and see that. And then... The Alex Tuck replacement, it depends on how high you are on uh, Jesperi Kakinyemi or one of the other centers that Carolina has. But you can see where Carolina might be able to draw that line. And for the Hurricanes, that would be interesting. Because this is a team that, again, we talk about trying to get over that hump. They lose Ducky Hamilton and don't really replace him in the offseason. And this is still a talented team that should have aspirations of growing. So this would have been a big one. This is one where I think Carolina probably should have tried to overpay in this scenario. And I think that they would have had the, I think that they would have had some of the, the ammunition to, to try to get back into that trade. The other team that I think that this really affects is Colorado because they are the, the example I like to use is Batman and Bane in um, the, the third Dark Knight movie where there's this big brawl that's happening in the streets of Gotham and they're just throwing people aside until there's this face-off. We got it last year in the second round uh, that these two feel destined to face off in the Western Conference final this time around. And now I wonder what their counter move is because I do think that they need one now. This puts them, I think, firmly behind. Vegas in the race for the top spot in the National Hockey League and in the Western Conference. And the thing is, there isn't another Jack Eichel out there. Unless Edmonton loses like 35 in a row and Connor McDavid all of a sudden wants out of Edmonton, 
yeah, I don't know what the the next move for for Colorado now is to try to get into that number one spot. But th- this is another one where I think now the Avalanche might need to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to the trade deadline in their approach to trying to get this team over the hump because that hump just got a whole lot bigger to climb with the Vegas Golden Knights adding one of the best players on the planet without giving up a ton off of their their main roster. So an interesting trade. It, it finally happens. It's unfortunate that. All of the pieces are out. Um, Krebs has been assigned to the American Hockey League. As mentioned, Tuck is gone for another month. And Jack Eichel, again, the the next time he plays, might have the Stanley Cup playoff logo on the ice. So it's a little bit like, oh, wow, this is crazy. <sighs> Can't wait for April. It's just, it's weird that way, right? It's like in, in baseball or, or in hockey, when your team makes a big splash in the offseason and you just want to see it right now and you can't. So uh, thanks to NHL 22, we might have the opportunity to play that. But yeah, it's it's a big one in the National Hockey League. Make no mistake about that. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. The Atlanta Braves are World Series champions as they beat the Houston Astros and they beat the breaks off those boys in game six um, back in Houston. And just an incredible story. And I, I tweeted out, I hope this means we will see more teams in the future kind of go for it. Much like we kind of hoped that what the Phoenix Suns were able to do and what Milwaukee was able to do in the, the NBA Finals last year um, might inspire some more basketball teams to just be like, hey, just kind of try to be good and see what happens. That there's, I've talked about this a bunch more at my last stop than here, but the, the whole Ricky Bobby mentality of if you're not first, you're last, I think has done a bit of a disservice to, to sports. It got real bad in baseball a few years ago. It's been a little bit better since, but I, I think for, for baseball, there's no crime in just being good. As long as you're progressing somewhere, or if you have the opportunity to progress somewhere, there's no shame in being a good team. And that's what the Braves were, and they won a championship out of it. So I like to do this after a team wins a championship and see if there are lessons that we can learn from how a team was built, this time starring the Atlanta Braves. We will start uh, with Dansby Swanson, quite frankly, because he was the first one I clicked on. I went with one site and I went to another. Baseball reference is the best for this. Dansby Swanson is acquired by the Atlanta Braves in a trade with Aaron Blair, Ender Inciarte for Shelby Miller and Gabe Spencer. Uh, This a deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Just to get it out of the way now, Aaron Blair was later released. Ender Inciarte had a bit of a time with the Braves and then was released. On the other side of it, Gabe Spencer was traded in a deal that mattered not. The big piece going back to Arizona in this trade was Shelby Miller. And if you can transplant yourself back to around this time, 2012, 13, 14, Shelby Miller was the apple of a lot of prospect people's eyes. And so this one... It's a couple of big prospects because Dansby Swanson, a very high draft pick, and Shelby Miller, someone who was thought of rather highly, going to Arizona. In three years with Arizona, Shelby Miller has a minus 1.2 war. Dansby Swanson has not turned into the ball player that I think a lot of people hoped he would turn into, but still had a couple of big moments for the Atlanta Braves, and they get him for a guy who actually cost Arizona some wins back in, uh, from I believe, 2015 to 2018. 
Darno, a free agent. Ozzie Albies, amateur free agent. Ronald Cunha Jr., obviously didn't factor into the playoff run, but a rather big part of this franchise, amateur free agent. Those last two, Albies and Acuna Jr., to get them just as free agents, they're not draft picks, that is a monster acquisition. And we've seen the Blue Jays be able to do this with guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and with guys like Lourdes Goriel Jr. If you are able to hit on a couple of these international free agents, that really sets you up for success because it's just like, it's, it's free draft picks. I mean, they're not free. You spend money on them, but... You, I mean, both of these guys are on fantastic team contracts and to, to be able to get them into your organization and then have draft picks along that, it really helps. In terms of other guys who were draft picks, uh, Freddie Freeman, a second round pick that could go down as one of the better second round picks of all time. We'll see what he does in free agency. Now I would love to see him on the blue Jays, but I can't imagine. Uh, and Austin Riley was a, a first round pick. He came up with some big ones. Now the ones that are talked about a lot. Um, Jorge Soler gets acquired from Kansas City for Casey College, uh, who is the 29th ranked Braves prospect. Adam Duvall acquired from Miami for Alex Jackson, the 24th ranked Braves prospect. Jock Peterson acquired from the Cubs for Bryce Ball, the 19th ranked Braves prospect. And Eddie Rosario uh, acquired from Cleveland for Pablo Sandoval, who didn't play a game. And this goes back to the Jack Eichel trade. And my, my thoughts on why it was a home run win from a Vegas Golden Knights perspective. When you are looking to improve your team and when you are in that area where a championship is possible, you want guys who are going to make a difference. And it is, it's lovely to have prospects. And oh, wow, they traded three guys in their top 30. What are the odds that any of those guys have any kind of an impact? Like, once you get down to the 1920s, 25s, those types of guys, they're, there's a chance they're, they're probably going to show up on big league rosters. How much of an impact are they really going to make? One of the ones you go back to, or I go back to, is when the Blue Jays had a chance, I think, it was Travis Snyder for someone. It was either Grinky, Lincecum, or Kane. I feel like it was Grinky. Um, I, I think Lincecum and Kane was more an Alex Rios one, which again, hmm, but... Travis Snyder for, for Zach Greinke, and oh, well, you can't give up on a, a young prospect like that, and Travis Snyder ends up being essentially nothing. Um, now, didn't know that at the time, but again, like, it's wonderful to have prospects, and everyone wants prospects, and everyone wants draft picks, but what, how many of these guys really turn into actual needle movers? Like, if we go back 10 years from now, if we go back to these and see the added war from Bryce Ball, Alex Jackson, and Casey College... If it's over two, I will be a little bit surprised. There's a chance one of them hits, but all three of them, no. And you get guys who are going to make an impact on your big league roster right now. You do that, again, if you're in a certain spot. It doesn't make a lick of sense for Baltimore to do it. But for Atlanta, if they decided, when they decided they were trying to make a run for the playoffs, this made all the sense in the world. These are moves that are not going to come back to bite you. And also, guys who can help your team now. Another big move. And admittedly, one that kind of goes in the face of this. As we go to the starting pitching, I'm not going to do all 25 guys or 26 guys on the roster. We move to the, the pitching staff. Max Freed, who comes up with a big performance in game six, is acquired from San Diego with Dustin Peterson, Jace Peterson, and Malik Smith for Justin Upton and... I believe his name was... Aaron Northcutt? I don't know. My printing is really bad on this one. Dude got released, so it doesn't really matter to this whole conversation. Dustin Peterson and Jace Peterson end up getting released as well. Malik Smith is involved in a trade for 
a player who is currently in AAA for the Braves and a guy who was released, so it didn't really matter. Now, for, for San Diego, they make this move because they're trying to make a push. They're trying to improve their team, and they go out and get Justin Upton. And to a certain degree, it works. Justin Upton is a four-win player for them. He hit 251, a 336 on base percentage, 26 home runs, 81 RBI. Not spectacular, but you will certainly take that from Justin Upton. The problem is he left. Now, San Diego is in a fine spot now, although they had a, a late season collapse, but I don't think that's a roster management thing. That's just a everyone got freaking hurt. But this is one where sometimes that doesn't work out. Now, you aren't, Max Fried was not the 29th ranked San Diego Padres prospect at the time. We, we, there was a bit of an inkling that this could be a dude. So when you try to make these go for it all right now moves, you have to be in a position where it's actually going to help you progress towards a championship and maybe don't give up someone who has the potential to get the final outs in a World Series game. So it is a tricky line, admittedly. Like it, it's not just always, oh, we have a chance to win now. Well, let me get this guy because th those moves can sometimes blow up in your face. But I, I think when you are giving up your 29th ranked prospect for the guy who ended up being the World Series MVP, I think you make that move. Uh, as far as the rest of the pitching staff is concerned, Charlie Morton's a free agent. Drew Smiley pitched seven innings in the postseason. He was a free agent. Uh, Will Smith was a free agent. Ian Anderson was the third overall pick in 2016. Luke Jackson, free agent. Tyler Matzik, free agent. A.J. Minter was a second-round pick in 2015. Chris Martin was a free agent. Jesse Chavez was a free agent. And Tucker Davidson, who pitched two innings in the World Series, was a 19th-round pick in 2016. So it's a little bit of everything there when it comes to the Atlanta Braves. But again, the the main focus of this is going to be those outfield guys. And when you can turn your 25th overall prospect, who might be something, into a guy who is something right now, and you're a team that has playoff aspirations, I just think you do it all uh, all day long. And turning the conversation back to the, the focus of the show a lot of times, which is the, the Toronto Blue Jays, they are in a spot where they are looking for big league players. And I don't know what center fielder there was available, but you look at Toronto, they miss out on the playoffs by one game. You don't want to put that all on Josh Palacios in center field uh, because there's a number of mistakes that were made. And we went through that at the end of the season. But if they would have traded the organization equivalent of Bryce Ball for whatever the outside equivalent of Jock Peterson would have been, maybe this team is the one that we're talking about how they were built instead of the Atlanta Braves. So I, th I think the main message for this Atlanta Braves team is if you are good, there are moves out there that can help make you great. The other big news from baseball is Nick Castellanos has opted out of the last year of his contract and he is a free agent. And you want to talk about a guy who has been in obscurity. The most famous thing Castellanos has done in the last few years is hit a home run in the middle of Tom Brenneman's um, apology for the, the racial slur that's going to keep him off of, or not racial slur, sorry, uh, the homophobic slur that is going to keep him off of big league broadcasts for the rest of his life. And I went back and looked at the numbers and, oh, dang, this guy's... Like, he, he's hitting over 300. He's hitting 30 home runs with the Cincinnati Reds. Hit a friendly ballpark, for sure. But this is a guy who can be a real addition. And looking at it, again, through the Blue Jays' lens that I look at everything. I'm not saying, oh, well, if you lose Simeon and just get Castellanos, it'll be fine. That being said, as lovely as it was that Santiago Espinal was fine at third base this season, Castellanos would be quite the replacement there. And now, I should have looked at this 
before I went on the, this rant because he is basically a right fielder now, but he also listed on baseball reference, at least, as a, a third baseman. Let's see. How many games did he play at third base this year? Oh, none. Okay, well, maybe there goes that. Wow, he hasn't played third base in a while. Okay, my apologies. Um, I still think he's an interesting ad. For, yeah, he hasn't played third base since 2017. Now, Marcus Simeon hadn't played second base in his life until the, the Blue Jays made him a second baseman. Um, but when a player gets moved from third base to right field, there tends to be a reason, and it's probably not a good one defensively. But this is still someone, 34 home runs, 100 RBI last season. He hit 309 with a 362 on base percentage after a down year in 2020. But he had a good time with the Cubs after he was traded to the Cubs. This is still someone who I think has quite the opportunity to make an impact on a big league roster. And I, I think he, he is another one that if the Blue Jays aren't able to keep Marcus Simeon, maybe you bring in a Nick Castellanos and see if you can, again, just make things work around your infield. Although, again, third base probably... Maybe not as much of an option as I initially thought with a Nick Castellanos. And lastly, in the NBA, the Boston Celtics taking on the Miami Heat tonight. I am going to be on um, a new app called ColorCast tonight, breaking this game down live as it is happening. Uh, so come say hi on that. Download the ColorCast app and look for me in there. I'll have more information on my Twitter uh, as the day goes along, but going to be doing the... The, the Celtics and the Heat game on ColorCast tonight. The Celtics are in trouble, man. I said this going into the year that I, I found this to be a rather unspectacular roster. And so far, they've had rather unspectacular results. It is November 4th. We are eight games in the season, and the Celtics have already had to have a players-only meeting. Tatum and Brown apparently hogging the ball a bit too much for Marcus Smart's liking, which one would understand as he's the point guard. But... For Boston, you, you look at, compare and contrast this Boston team to Miami tonight. You look at the rosters, I don't think it's close. You look at the effort that both teams can put out, I don't think it's close. And I get, heat culture can be a little bit of a running joke at times. But there's still something to it, and there's something to it that Boston needs to figure out. They got bullied last year on their way to only making it into the play-in game. And yes... There's an, a possibility that Tatum took a step. And yes, there's a possibility that Brown can take a step. But not a step to the point that they're going to iso ball their way to an Eastern Conference title. It is still too early to panic. But this is a lot of what I thought we were going to see with Boston this year has kind of played out. And so that's why I'm raising an eyebrow to, to what's going on with the Boston Celtics uh, so far this season. They're taking on the Miami Heat tonight. That is going to do it for uh, Couch Potato Diary here on your Thursday. Thank you guys very much for your patience in letting me um, put this out a day later. Uh, again, if you want to find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music that you're listening to provided by Waste of Talent. Find them on Instagram at Waste of Talent. There are X's where you would put A's in Wasted and Talent. As far as where you can hear from me, uh, coming up on Friday, uh, Friday morning, I'm going to be on the Fresh Take Network for another sports rundown podcast. And then sometime, probably Friday evening, the um, big weekend extravaganza podcast is coming out. We have Canelo Alvarez fighting. We got a UFC pay-per-view with Kamara Usman and Colby Covington at the top. 
and we have the NFL to run through. That's the other one that I have to get to. So it is going to be a busy show. It's probably going to come out sometime Friday evening as I have some stuff to do during the day. So thank you guys so, so much for tuning in, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. I'm out.